Welcome to the Shining Mind podcast. I'm Dr. Selena Bartlett and I'm a neuroscientist and really today is just a real treat. I hope you really enjoy this podcast. We're here with just amazing women and men all trying to change the world. And my guest today is Laura and she's going to introduce herself and she is just an extraordinary human being. So thank you, Laura, for... Thank you for having us. We really appreciate it and for having me. Yeah, so let's let, tell everyone who you are. Cool. So I am Laura Chamberlain and I uh, work for Dead, which is an eating disorder charity. And I'm an eating disorder recovery coach living on the Sunshine Coast in Queensland, originally from the UK. And been in Australia now 11 years. Well, we're really lucky to have you. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you, England. <laughs> <laughs> Really? <laughs> so, like, I just have to know, how did that happen? How did we get so lucky to have you? So, the UK has never felt my place. So, um, were you born there? I was born there. Born and bred in Yorkshire, oh, in Huddersfield, Newsom. That was my little spot. Yeah. Then moved there. We moved quite a bit with my dad's work. Yeah. And I never really felt it was my soul place so yeah. I always even my parents always said as a young kid I was always like I'm leaving England and I'm moving abroad and from really young wow and I always had that that there was somewhere out there that was more me and, and where, where did that I was come meant from, to be um was it was just feeling? this internal uh feeling of that there's somewhere out there for me wow. where I feel more at home and connected does anyone else feel like that yeah, interesting, isn't it? Yeah. So um, it got stronger the older I got, and I started looking in my early 20s, I guess. And it was like, where is that place? And wasn't sure. And then started getting a pull for Australia. So I came out here for three weeks with my husband. And kind when of. When was that? that 11 would years have ago. Been, no, we moved 11 years ago. So that would have been about 13, 14 years ago. And we kind of had to do a lot of research of what areas, because we only had three weeks, and Australia cannot be covered in three weeks. So we're like, well, we like sunshine. We like the outdoors, so that cut out a few places straight away. And we wanted to be connected to people, so it wasn't too isolated. And we decided on Queensland, and then we had to narrow that down. And then picked... we hired a car for three weeks and drove from top of New South Wales to about Bundaberg and just spent our time exploring and sold our house and yeah wow. two years you later sold your house in England sold our house in England so, did the uh, visa process which took two years and left all our family and friends behind so we came here wow. with not knowing a single soul 
and yeah started settling and connecting with some incredible people so tell us how you got to ended house like in mark and gail forbes yes it's so been... for the audience that doesn't know mark and gail forbes are this amazing family that uh, have started that started and founded ended house and now have created this beautiful first in in australia residential program um, that is a farm stay res- and it's just absolutely stunning it and is. it's going to change the face of eating disorders and it the way it's treated is. and it's really welcome and I'd like to see this happen across all of mental health which is a big Definitely. dream. It's very, been but, very very needed. There's so how did you meet Mark and Gail? So I have lived experience of an eating disorder which started for me when I was 14 and at the time my family didn't pick up the signs for about a year. Uh, it can be very sneaky how it likes to hide and stay in the dark. And I had that for a few years when it got to a stage that... So do you know what started it? Uh, so for me, we were going on a family holiday. And I was just like, I'll just lose a little bit of weight so that I can eat whatever I want when I'm there and you know feel confident. Did that, ate whatever I wanted when I was there. Then went on a f- holiday with my friend, did the same thing, and then it got to the stage where it's like, well, nobody noticed, so it's fine, I'll just lose a little bit again. And then it became, without intending to, far more restrictive, and then my exercise got way, way worse, and then before I knew it, I was in this rabbit hole. And yeah, back then, if and Dad had been around, it would have been a great support. And so through my journey and lived experience of being able to fully recover, I felt that I really needed to do something with that. And because a lot of the time people are told that you just have to manage this, that you can't fully recover. So I wanted to let people know that you can, you can do this. And, and, and you can and lose the label. You can lose the label and you can completely heal it. And it's not something that you need to live with for the rest of your life. So how many years did you have to live with this? So experience? the most intense part was three years, but it probably, and there's no day that you can say I'm fully recovered. It's not no, how it works. It's a lifestyle just, change. Yeah, you just kind of look back and go, that thought, you know it's not there anymore none of the behaviors are there and I can go out and enjoy my day and it's not controlled by food and and that's what we were discussing earlier weren't we about those filling in those new spaces in the brain and it's so important to know and this is why it's so incredible to come here today that you know when you're in an eating disorder that the thoughts are so strong and they can consume you so much that to know that we are not those thoughts and that we can change them and we can rewire our brain and recovery isn't fun it's not easy it's really hard so is rewiring the brain but that it's possible and with supports around you and just every day if you have a setback know that you can do it again and again so can i ask you sure um we talked about this what was the spark that enabled you to set that intention do you remember the day uh, I remember the day of... Was it like at the bottom or was it something else? Because I think this is the most important point because we can talk about a million things to do. Yeah. But it's that spark of intention. Definitely. That, and this happened for me too, not with eating disorder, but with other mental health things. It was, I remember the day. 
Yeah. And it was setting the intention and it's like, oh, I can change this and I, I know it's going to be hard, but I'm going to do it Yeah. because, you know, I have children and whatever. So do you remember that day? I remember, I don't know what day it was because it all becomes a big blur when you're in it, but I do remember the exact day of being given an ultimatum and going, I have it within me to do this and I am the only one that can do it. No one else can do it for me and I am strong enough. This is not stronger than me because it's within me and I can do this. And so do you remember what, it, like I, I think this is really important because this is the thing that everyone wants, right? They want to know. So like you could have done that the day before, for example. Yeah. So there's had to be... There's got it was to be, almost like this, and it wasn't a fire because it wasn't straight up, but this spark, like it was like a spark lit, lit within me and like this connection, just this switch in my mind that was like, I can do this, like, and it is not going to beat me. And it wasn't because you'd bottomed out necessarily. It wasn't, you weren't at the bottom bottom. I was pretty close, pretty close to being at the very bottom. Right. And I think I needed to get there for it to actually feel like, okay, this is serious and I need to do something with this. And did it come from outside sources or? It, it, so it was an outside source that gave me my ultimatum. And so I had a choice to make which path I wanted to do. And, and it sounds crazy at the time, <laughs> but I still was just like, in this struggle of like, which path am I gonna go? Like, because it, it can be so powerful. And I the brain had, is powerful. The brain is extremely powerful. Mm -hmm. So I had to sit with that and kind of go, what do I want in life? Am I happy right now? This is not making me happy. I am not having fun. I am not able to live my life how I want to live it. I'm not doing what I was here for. And making that choice of, okay, I'll go this pathway. And it wasn't how I describe recovery, it's like this crazy roller coaster that has so many loops and a lot of people kind of think it's like this linear straight line. It's not even like an A to B. It's like A to G to C to Z. And then you'll go all over again. So can you describe, because um, people always ask this about the first five days, you know, this, this pathway of you picking that pathway instead of, you know, path A instead of path B, for example. And what were those first few days? What were, what were the... The kind of do you remember the little thing that you did that made that little change that changed the some of the there's always one little thing and if you can just do that one little thing and repeat it yeah you're building back those synapses right you're making that change that we were discussing so yeah can you just describe so that? when I would get a negative thought come in that would try and get me on the other path I would answer it back and go thank you no I'm doing it for me. So you actually accepted that? I would accept it Instead of running resist. away from it. Yeah, yeah, resisting or running away. And I think that's a big part of recovery. We, When we're going through it, we're often resisting where we're at. And we don't want to feel, we don't want to be in that space. Mm -hmm. So we try and ignore things, we try and resist. And when we're able to sit in it, and it's not that we don't want to change it, because we do, but when we're able to sit in it and accept go, this is, is where yeah. I am right now and this is what it is, then it feels a lot more manageable. Yeah. And so I just kept doing that and there would be times where it would be like, okay, it's not gonna work right now, but being in that moment of going, okay, stop punishing yourself even more, stop giving yourself more guilt and more shame and accept that this is a really crappy time right now, but it will pass. And that's what helped me get through a lot of, this shall pass, this shall pass, this shall pass. And, and then you did this on your forever. own. Yeah. 
And so did your parents, were they My parents or? were great. They were really supportive. I had two sisters as well that were really supportive. Uh, they didn't understand it or, you know, didn't know obviously what was going through my head. And we didn't have like and dead. There was, a, you know, it was quite a while ago back in the UK and there just wasn't the support systems like there is well, that Endeta are doing right now. Well done, Laura. Thank you. Well done. Thank That's you. just incredible. Really amazing. So then this somehow journey to Australia got you to Mark and Gail yeah, Forbes, which we're really grateful for, aren't we? <laughs> it got me to here. So when I felt that I was strong enough to be in this kind of field, and be able to make a difference. I wanted to support people going through it and let them know that there is hope and that you can get through this. And no, it's not easy, it's not fun, but you can do it. You have it within yourself to do it. And so would you say the kind of, were you involved in the discussions of how to set up some of the farm stay? No, so I kind of came when that was already in process. So I've been volunteering. So I started volunteering with Ended two years ago now, this month, two years ago. Congratulations. Cool. And uh, so just put it out there and started going to the support groups that they run for parents and carers and for people going through this. So as a volunteer, what were you doing? So I started going to the support groups, just supporting parents and carers that were supporting loved ones and then going to the support group on a fortnightly basis for people going through it as well. They must have loved having you there. (laughs) It was great to be with such incredible people. You would have got asked a lot of questions. It was, yeah, (laughs) but it was great um, great to be in that space and share it with them. So I started doing that. And then just started supporting people outside of that group as well. And then, incredibly, Mark called me and said that um, there had been a sponsor that because we uh, there's a Carolyn Costin who's in the state. She does a recovery coach program, and I got a call from Mark saying that a sponsor was willing to sponsor me to go through the program because I'd been wanting to do it, just didn't have the funds for it, and. I just burst into tears of absolute joy that that was possible for me. So where is the program? So it's online. It's a 12-month program that she has done, which is absolutely fantastic. It really, really um, makes such a difference because when you've got lived experience, it's also really important to get the tools and the skills to help support people as well. Yeah, because it's different. It's very, very different. So it was great to be able to do that. And then, and did it help you in your own recovery? Yeah, so, definitely. You mean it to kind a fuller of, recovery? Yeah, it was. It was really good to kind of notice some moments that I hadn't even realised while I was recovering. To go, that's was then, and that's how I did this. So it was really helpful to kind of pinpoint things. And so yeah, did that, and then from December started doing part time with Ended, and then towards the end of March. Uh, We got funding from the government, which was absolutely fantastic, thanks to Greg Hunt and Andrew Wallace, that they supported us. Without them, you know, it's it's been absolutely incredible, the support that they've given us. So I was able to become full-time. And so now on a Monday and Friday, I run support groups for people that would like to join. We come to incredible places like here and people that volunteer their time, like yourself, to support and bring knowledge and different tools to everyone. So we run these programs free of charge and we'll do, we have people from all over that are wanting to come. We have ladies that come and give their time to do sewing, to do pottery, to do restorative yoga. There's so many 
things that we have on a Monday and a Friday. It's great. It's, it is. It's amazing. And we, we really need to change up how we treat the, anything to do with the brain because currently Definitely. it's the, I mean, it's obviously there's a lot that can be done Definitely. in that space and the old models aren't really working. And that's why we wanted to create this. And it's incredible that Mark and Gay had that passion and that desire to get this happening because they've been through the systems. So can you just describe to the audience um, a little bit about what's happening with the Butterfly Foundation and ended yeah, sure. and how they came together and they created the first residential stay? Definitely. So Mark and Gay Amazing. have two have their own daughters that have lived experience of eating disorders and they'd been through lots of different medical systems that just weren't supporting their daughters and so they actually went to a program and had support with other parents and then when that finished mark and gay were like well we've got no support now so they actually opened their home up to parents and loved ones so that they could come and meet every fortnight in that space and be there for each other and have connection and see what they could do and then Mark and Gay were like we need to get a residential here they knew of the ones in the states and were like we're so behind we're about 20 years behind and they wanted to get something happening and when they teamed up with the Butterfly Foundation, they realized the Butterfly Foundation were looking at exactly the same thing. They'd wanted to do it for a long time. And so they came together to make it happen rather than trying to do separate things. So if, if there's anything that you can take away from this, everyone, that's one person, one couple. It's incredible. That made a massive difference. So each of, each of us you know, sitting here and everywhere has the same capacity, we're the same. It will change but it's just history. the intent, it's the willingness, it's doing the work every day to get out of bed when people turn their back on you and say, no more money for me, no, I, don't, I can't help you, right? That's the, diff that's the only difference. Definitely. And just knowing that there's, you know, it's different for every single person going through it. What works for one person won't work for another. And it's just finding what that thing is for you and being gentle with yourself being very forgiving with yourself Absolutely. and allowing it because it can be so hard when you're in it you are so critical on yourself and so hard on yourself and feel you don't deserve help you don't deserve support you're not worthy yeah. and every single person is so worthy and deserving so if that's the only thing you take from today please know you are so worthy and deserving of support and that you can fully recover yeah, that's such a great message. Um, so t tell us a little bit more about the actual plan for Definitely. the change in kind of the way we're going to approach it. So what we're uh, just starting building with at the moment, we just had a groundbreaking ceremony on the 27th of August at Malula Valley, where the residential will be. So it'll be Australia's first residential. It will be 12 beds. And it's going to have art therapy, equine therapy, music therapy. We've got 28 acres there where we're going to show them how you, you know, grow your food and then you collect it and you bring it to the table so it's really fresh. So it'll be a very different holistic environment. And we're going to have obviously GPs and nurses on yeah. site so as well. So it'll still be a medical model. Yeah, but it will just be a multidisciplinary yeah, team Embedded approach. in other programs, basically. Yeah, yeah, just coming. And, you know, it's all based with... Um, had uh, Millie Thomas, who's an in-dead recovery coach as well, go over to the States and go and see the properties and go and see what works and talk to Carolyn Coston that has 
done these and they are it's the um, research has shown that these have worked so well so we're using their models over here and going off and Carolyn's hoping to come over pretty soon just so that she can help us with that and get it set up and, and also you're working with scientists too like yeah you're going to be doing brain imaging definitely um, yeah. yeah we're going to change the face of this everyone and we've had so much community support without the community this also wouldn't have happened yeah you should mention that because that's been amazing definitely we've like had people over. donated everything oh so much we've had architects donate everything. their time do it for free we've got once the residential is built we've got a company putting solar on for us. We've got a company called Grow and Boss that are helping to do the uh, designs in the gardens and getting uh, veggie gardens set up and going to do pathways and streams throughout it. So the team support, we've got a guy down the road that's brought bees so that we can get the honey and use that. So I'd like to go and oh, stay there. It's just, as soon as you go through the driveway, the energy yeah, and the space, it just, yeah. you just go, oh, and it just feels so nice. And just to have that connection. So back to nature. That's what we were talking nature. about earlier. We lost our nature. Definitely. And we've got two pigs on the farm. We have two sheep. We've got two um, little horses that we're going to use for therapy. We've got ducks. We've got chickens. We have next door's cows come and say hello. And they're what, wonderful. What would you say in your experience in this? time that you've been there what would you say is the most the thing that you've noticed the most difference that people do that makes a difference to their life there people going through it or just yeah. like the space people um, going through some of the programs that you're kind of setting up there I guess it's connection connection has been incredible for to not feel like you're alone to not feel like you're alone to know that people are there and that um, have been through the journey and can have that level of understanding it can make such a difference and without Undead you know it's been so so blessful to have Undead as uh, not just for Sunshine Coast because we work with people throughout Australia we also have people in New Zealand and around the world but just that um, you know we get the journey and everybody's journey is different but just those foundations of knowing that it's okay to not be okay yeah. and that we can support you through it and a, a lot of the time they're just not sure where to go and what to to do so just giving them some guidance of do you have a gp do you have a dietitian would you like to see a psychologist so making sure it's a multidisciplinary approach and giving them the best supports that they can have and showing them that you know em uh, compassion empathy patience and love is so important and you know because eating disorders can be extremely isolating they like you to be isolated and not have that connection so that's what we're all about is that connection as well and so getting out getting out to the farm we go to waterfalls we go to I so many different like, places nature is so healing nature is so healing can be very very grounding and what works for some people some people like being out in the nature some people prefer different times different types of being together whether that's having a coffee at a cafe or you know being on the do, beach being on the beach doing art doing sewing doing music so everyone has different preferences so we try and do a range of things for people to be able to and learn new skills as well so that you know if they're lost because often you lose what you enjoy you forget what 
brings you joy and happiness and makes you feel connected you just lose that you have disconnection with it basically yeah. so trying to see what they like and you know people have done pottery that have never done it before and just showing that something that's not perfect that you've done is perfectly okay because it's imperfect and that it's beautiful as it is so just seeing and just what we're forms. learning about like with the hands and the way the you're activating the nervous system too in that way you're actually learning to calm your brain too right and your mind like getting to realize I think all of these things when you're out there together you realize just by showing up you've made a change that's it you know right? by committing to do that because it's not easy to come together in these situations definitely not right it's so really that's not. that's something you should be really proud of yourself for it's 100%. like huge for all of us right oh. just to get up and show up sometimes definitely definitely and you know it's important I always let people know that come to the groups if you don't want to participate that's fine but just by coming here and sharing that space it's so important you don't need to do anything just be and honor yourself in that absolutely. moment absolutely and so to important. know that your presence is helping the person exactly. next to you exactly is yeah. so important it really is yeah. that's the key it is right? once you step outside yourself into the other person then you realize that you're not alone yeah and then you're actually helping other people so it gives you a bigger purpose to and we're designed for connection you know we're, we're meant to be and it gets harder now we've got so much social media and walls and we're tucked away so it's so important and here we are using social media <laughs> to do this it can definitely have its benefits and have its advantages when it's used I know right way, I, I, I'm conflicted all the time about this <laughs> as I'm on my phone too and then try and create these you know, tools yeah. and things like that and for so, people that can't have that connection by being able to hear things like this yes. and by you doing podcasts they can feel that they are in a space where they yeah, can yeah so even if they can't show up for you at, at right now I really believe in the power of words and it definitely helps me. I listen to lots of podcasts and audiobooks and other things when I'm driving or other places. And just hearing the stories that are global makes you realize that you're part of this huge tribe. And even if you just hear the one thing like that can make that little difference on that day to take you differently... 100%. fantastic it can right? only be one thing it doesn't have to be big like you, that's not. why I was trying to get into your brain mm. and like yeah, little... how do we do that spark how do we make that go global yeah. you know because I was hearing about this amazing guy in Dunedin someone was talking about Dunedin 19 year old boy goes to the football field in Dunedin and there's 25,000 single use plastic cups all over the grounds afterwards spark how do I change this? He created a reusable, not recyclable, cup. So all events and festivals in New Zealand now have reusable cups. He's now in Australia. He's now trying to make it into make San Francisco his next stop. And I heard about this on a podcast, right? So they wash and dry all the cups. And so you go there, you pay $2 deposit, and you can either get the $2 back or you can put it into a box and donate it and all kids go and collect them all and keep the two dollars too right so what that's one 19 year old brain sitting in an event created a bit it's called global lit you can look it up because we have someone here from Dunedin Mm -hmm. Um, and that spread now globally 
so people say, what are we going to do about the world? It's ch- you know, how can we change the world because it's going in such a bad direction? But that was one person that's st- stopped 25,000 plastic cups at every event where people get a beer and then they dump them and get another one, dump it. And then the plastic comes in from China and then goes back to China to be dumped. So isn't that huge? See what I mean? That was one little mm-hmm. spark. So I'm telling you that story because I believe every person has the same spark but we just need to work out the gas. <laughs> Where's the pilot light? <laughs> and that's why I was kind of focusing on that little point because that's the key, right? It's the pilot light. How do we light the pilot light? Yeah. And everyone's so different, as you said. Definitely. They're in different parts of their journey. And I just person. don't believe that you have to, I just, because I'm crazy positive, I don't believe that we have to have everyone dump out to the bottom to no, light the spark. No, definitely not. I just not. think that education can maybe raise a few more pilot lights maybe <laughs> and if we can support people to even you know get them really really young to yes start to know that they can get in control their... of their brain you know, yeah i think more. it would be great to get this integrated into schools and you know we weren't taught this stuff when we were young and I no, think we all really had to bottom out and i think it's really really important and i think it's such a strong message to let everyone know that it's not your fault as well and parents and carers feel it's their fault as well and what have I done wrong and so it's so important to know so that important. you know you're not to blame for this and to um, be gentle with yourself in that and, and to step away from it and try and step out and have a look in as an observer definitely <laughs> which is hard to do of course. It, is. it is so um tell us something really cool about you oh my goodness what's your favorite <laughs> thing to do uh, oh, I love to I read like on absolute... my balcony. Oh, what do you like reading? That. Oh, I love lots of so this kind of stuff, positive thinking. I love I love reading nonfiction so that I can learn and grow and uh, books about the soul and connection and all that kind of stuff. I I really thrive in that. So, so. what's you said you like being outside in the sun? So yeah, do you like being I love taking or? I love taking my dog, my beautiful dog, for walks at the beach and going swimming. What's with your him. dog? He is a Ridgeback Cross Mastiff, oh, and he is wow. beautiful. Yes. So and what's his name? He's Cody. Wow. He's lovely, and we actually the property that we bought three years ago. The people that we bought it off were moving back to Hawaii, and they were like, "Would you like a dog?" And at the time, we had a dog that we'd rescued that was not very well. We're like, oh, I'm not sure about this. We kind of not planned this. And we weren't sure how the dogs would get on. And, you know, we kind of said, you know, we'll have a think. And they were going to take him to the RSPCA. And at the time, he was eight. And we're like, oh, there's not much chance of him being rehomed. So, okay, yes, we will have the dog. And he's just such a beautiful part of our lives. And just seeing him change dogs. and adapt as well. To, he used to be and an he has a friend dog. too now. Too. He has friends too now. And yeah, so he, um, yeah, he's brought so much to our life. And he'd never been to the beach. So seeing him for the first time on the beach and checking what the water was was just so beautiful. So as, as other Australians here... Tell us something good about Australia. So many things about Australia that <laughs> And are great. do you regret your decision? Never. I have not once regretted my decision moving over. And it was um, really comforting when I moved over here because it did feel strange not knowing a single person. And 
leaving family and oh, friends behind. Actually, I think this would be really interesting. Can you actually describe that feeling? Because a lot of people want to run away from that feeling, then they don't stay, and then they miss out on that kind of pathway that they may be meant to be going on. It was definitely, when I arrived here, it was very daunting. It was overwhelming. And it was like, where do we start? Where do we go? How do we meet friends? Because it's so hard when you're you know in your mid-20s when I moved over of like okay well I've done the school thing all my school friends are there I've not got any family how do we start this how do we form friendships so it definitely I had to sit with the daunting feeling and overwhelmingness and and, not want to run back and not want to run back and just go you know what I'm going to take day by day hour by hour minute by minute now that's a good piece of advice we were trying to talk about how do we light the pilot light Minute by minute. Minute by minute. Second by second. Yeah. And I try and now I've kind of, and just in the last few weeks, kind of gone, you know, because we're in such a time uh, revolved world that I now view time through every heartbeat rather than trying to do it by the clock. So, okay, for every heartbeat that I'm here, like what can I learn? What can I do? What can I grow? And that has made I such a difference. I have never heard that before. It, it's that is really, a really made, good. It's really, really made a difference. Can anyone by, else feel their heartbeat? It's, it's really changed my perspective on things rather than going even... So can you it. describe to the audience and to me, because I'd like to learn how to do that. Yeah, so I just... I'm not good at feeling my heart. So every morning I'll do my gratitude things and, you know, what's coming in my day and what I would like the day to bring. And so I just, you know, uh, spend time with my heart of um, that it will that I will be coming from my heart and that for every heartbeat that I am doing the best that I can in this moment and just being with that and just sitting with it and so that it sets me up for that day. And do you return to that during the day? Definitely, yeah. So I'll reconnect with it and if there's a... um, a time where there's a challenge or a difficult time or a stressful feeling, I'll try and ground myself back into that and just reconnect into it. And But it, it really sets me up well for the day. And so just, what if you, um, like, you're really stressed out? Can you actually, does, can you remember to turn to that feeling? Not every time. It's hard to sometimes, but most of the time I'll try and, if I'm caught up in a moment when it's really stressful, I'll try and stop that thought and go, okay, ground yourself back, check with your heart and, you know, that I am okay in this moment. Yes, it's stressful, but it won't last forever. And what can I do right now? So it's putting that pause. It's putting that pause on it and not letting it run away um, because we can get so caught up in... We can see the end of the world in one thought. Definitely, yeah. So just trying to go, okay, it it is stressful and maybe that moment is really, really stressful and you have to make quick decisions, but trying to get back to my heart space and not thinking from my head. And I always think it's it's the longest journey you'll do in your life is going from your head... To thinking to your heart you know it's the I've I've moved halfway around the world but from my head to my heart space was the biggest journey I've ever done but the most life-changing journey I've ever done and what made you do that um, because being in my head wasn't didn't feel good didn't feel right and it consumed me and I felt that that's all I had whereas when I learned that I could live from my heart space instead and that I could actually control my thoughts and change them and you know it's not 
100% of the time because it's hard to always be on there. We're not perfect. No, we're not. And perfection doesn't exist. Um, no, but there is no can, such thing. There isn't. But if we can live from the heart space, that it, it feels so much better when we operate out of that. I have to say that I am so grateful that you brought your heart space to all these other hearts. Thank you. I'm grateful to be around all of these hearts. They're all very, very special hearts. All what of them. would we do without people that are making these changes? Makes such a difference. And, you know, having all these people come out to... I'm going to cry support. this second. Because <laughs> this is what the world would be so good if it was like this. And that's what one change at a time. And, and I think that's so important that, you know, we've, we are only one person, but when we all work together... That's when change can really, really happen. All of this suffering in our modern Western world is really not as necessary as we make it. Mm -hmm. And I just so wish that uh, we could be more exponential in our change. You know, I've been doing this work for at least five years now, and I did it for my sister who had schizophrenia, of course, as you know. And just to see the lack of change still really breaks your heart in so many ways because this suffering is so unnecessary. Yeah. But as the Buddha says, or whatever you, whoever you want to refer to, we're all born to suffer. <laughs> That's how you deal with it that matters. It is, and everything has to have opposites. You know, like I always say, we can't have darkness without the light, and sadness makes us appreciate the happiness so much more. And, you know, so everything has opposites, and it's learning to ride through both, and that, you know, there's not one single person in this world no matter how wealthy they are or how healthy they are that hasn't had some sort of suffering you can't avoid it and it's how we um, sit with that suffering to help us get through it and reach out to others and know that it's okay to feel sad that we don't have to be happy every single time and you know we're often as children shown to you know just get up and dust off you know don't cry you're okay and it's like actually maybe if we were able to sit with our emotions and allow them to be at the time we would be much yeah. easier as adults to, to deal with them and accept them as they are i also like to say that um we're dealing with a device which is massively powerful that no one's been shown how to play definitely we know how to play social media, we know how to use a phone, we know how to use the remote control of our television because we've been shown there's an instruction manual. But when there's this massive device that's been built over millions of years and it's just off, <laughs> it's really crazy when you think about it like that. Definitely. You know? Oh, and no one's 100%. been shown, no one's been given any kind of instruction manual and we're all just playing it by ear and we wonder why we're all suffering. <laughs> as well you know that's the piece that's where the education piece comes in in my opinion oh. you know as well because it's a bit of a black hole that vacuum that's currently exists i mean we're trying to fill in the pieces now with brain imaging technology as you saw once you see it it's much more powerful to see it you know and know that you can make some of those changes yeah. yourself oh and it's a great time you know to be around this where we're able to see all this stuff and learn and there's so much more that we don't know but we're in a very exciting yeah. space right now yeah is there anything else you'd like to tell anyone that you think that some kind of message that you think was very helpful for you people just pretend it was you listening back in the day uh, like just, what would be helpful do you think for someone that doesn't have your parents doesn't have your support isn't in your situation you know what could we do to help someone that just happened to tune in 
I'd just like to let you know that it can feel very lonely, it can feel very isolating if you don't have those family members, you don't have supports, but please know that you are not alone, that you can reach out and there are people that there that have been through your journey. Which reminds me, there's a Facebook page, right, that someone can... That how, is. How could uh, that, yeah, let's mention that. Yeah, so uh, you can go online to www.ended.org.au. Can you spell that out? Too? So E-N-D-E-D.org.au and see our website and you can contact us there. There's our phone number and our email address there as well. And if you type E-N-D-E-D in Facebook, you'll find our Facebook page and we're on Instagram as well. So please feel free to reach out. We are here to support you and know that you are enough just as you are. You don't need to be anyone else. You are uniquely you and you are here for a reason and you are so worthy of love, support and connection. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you for having us here. It's been such a beautiful space. Oh, yes. Um, Let's just hope that we can make a difference. We all can together. See if we can light that pilot light today. Shine some light on the brain and bring it out in all its magnificence. Thank you so much. Thank you for coming. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for having us. You don't know me. Just one of your many toys You don't own me Don't say I can't go with other boys And don't tell me what to do I'd never stay